0: taking up a variety of topics as diverse as working from home to sporting events, to the role of the board of directors, to crisis management, to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. Today I visit with Julie Myers-Wood. Julie is the CEO of Guidepost Solutions, and we talk about international privacy laws and how those are impacting data transfers that need to occur during the time of coronavirus for companies to perform internal audits and investigation. It's a fascinating exploration of a current topic brought on by COVID-19. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode, and today I have with me Julie Myers-Wood and Julie is the CEO at Guidepost LLC. We have visited before. Uh, It's been a while, so uh, welcome back, Julie.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me, Tom.
0: So Julie, um, one of the things that I'm trying to get information out on is how do we reopen? How do we reopen safely, sanely, uh, obviously in compliance, but in with an eye towards whatever the new normal might be. And you had some really interesting ideas that I have not seen before. So I really uh, thought this would be a propitious time to explore them with you. And if I could start with asking you, how do you advise or how does Guidepost advise its clients to begin to think through the reopening?
1: Well, first, that we advise clients to think through what, what they need. So in this new normal, there are some businesses which might continue on remotely and be just as profitable or close to just as profitable. And there are other businesses that depend very much on having customer uh, contact and need to focus on the customer experience. So it's going to be different if you're dealing with a meatpacking plant versus a restaurant versus an office building in terms of what sort of considerations you have but first and foremost you have to think about employee safety and how can you make sure that those who are working for your company continue to be safe and so you may have already made some changes um, if you have modified working conditions perhaps at a a meatpacking plant or some other sort of manufacturing facility but if you're in an office environment and your whole office is now in a shelter from home as um, governors and mayors start to open back up the communities, you have to think about what would it take to keep your employees safe if they come back into work, and how can we do that in a way that gives them trust and confidence? So I think that's the first thing you need to think about.
0: Julie, I think many companies have put together a coronavirus response team, but you were the first person I saw talking about a coronavirus or COVID-19 reopening team. So I was wondering uh, how a company might think about that, whether they want to have an internal czar, whether you should have an executive leadership team, how should they think about that structure and, and move forward with that concept?
1: Absolutely. I think it's critical to have a team or a czar that's focused on reopening and looks across your business to see what are the certain things that you might need to modify for physical security, for cybersecurity, and also in terms of business operations. It's important, in my view, to have a certain point person that is focusing on all the reopening issues. And so can make sure that if you make a change to your physical security, perhaps you're moving now to touchless entry versus having everyone, um, you know, enter numbers on a touchpad. Um, you know, how would that affect, you know, other things? And so how would that go into, you know, potential cyber vulnerabilities that you need to focus on or potential concerns around compliance? For example, if you have to track who's coming in a certain way to be compliant on export compliance. And so having really one person that's getting input from all the leads and all the teams can make sure that you're doing things consistently And also make sure that you're not doing certain things regionally different on accident. It may make sense to have different protocols regionally or geographically um, just based on safety concerns and how the virus is manifesting itself in those regions. But you want to make sure that the different protocols are not accidental, but they're intentional. And so having someone that tracks this information I think is really key. And finally, I think you have to think of long-term about potential uh, liability or concerns about whether or not you thought through things in a wise way, both for employee safety and also for customer safety and customer experience. Uh, It may be the unfortunate case that someone gets sick after the business has reopened. And of course, you'll have to deal with contact tracing and dealing with the authorities but you may also have to deal with litigation. We're seeing that with Carnival Cruises. We've seen it with Smithfield. I imagine there'll be more litigation alleging that businesses reopened in a thoughtless manner or did not fully plan things. And so having a reopening czar or a reopening committee that's gathering all the information, gathering all the metrics, best protects your company to show that you took all the steps that the authorities recommended that you documented those and you can prove those up in and uh, when and if needed.
0: Julie, I think most of my listeners are going to be aware of Guidepost LLC and certainly well known for uh, both monitorship and high level sophisticated investigations as well. In the, the work that Guidepost does, uh, some of it uh, is done offsite, obviously, and some you have to do on site. How are you beginning to think through those issues with your clients?
1: Well, we have a, a large team of design engineers and security design engineers that work both on the physical security side and the cyber security side. So day to day, they are used to dealing with visitor access control uh, protocols for employees. And we have redesignated this group to focus in on what is needed to ensure that reopening makes sense. So, for example, we're working with a major city and all of its courthouses. And they're thinking about as they open those courthouses back up, changes do they need to make in terms of visitor access, employee access, employee protocols. Also, you know, there are some places that are looking at, um, you know, temperature screening. So we provided guidance on thermal imaging cameras and other technology that you may need to increase or decrease to avoid uh, uh, to avoid causing a problem in this area.
0: Julie, as, um, so I'm in Texas, uh, our governor uh, is uh, wants to reopen the state in stages. Obviously, other governors have been aggressive or less aggressive in opening, uh, are saying they're going to open their states. Are, are people having to think through these different phases of opening, even for business-to-business people like Guidepost and Tom Fox?
1: Absolutely, and I think Governor Abbott. Uh, very wise to think through in Texas, you know, opening in stages. Businesses should also think, what is necessary now? You know, you may have found that there are certain portions of your business that operate efficiently remotely. Can you keep that going? Or can you keep a larger amount of your team operating remotely than in the past? Or are there are certain places where in order for business needs and based on the safety, uh, indications that you're getting you can start to open up but it certainly i would think should be a phased approach and you want to learn from what uh, whatever lessons there are from other portions of the country or other regions where you operate what's been successful and what hasn't so you can tweak things along the way i mean we've all seen that in practice probably in the grocery stores you know as as i ventured out once a week to the grocery store things have changed radically from week one where almost no one had a mask, not, not the workers, not the people that were shopping in the store, to uh, partitions, to everyone wearing a mask, to reduce numbers in the stores and, and to various lines. I think as compliance people, one of our jobs or someone's job in compliance should be thinking about which of those things work effectively to encourage uh, the mandated social distancing and which of those things actually just cause customer traction and make the customer experience a less good or you know reduce the efficiency. If social distancing continues on for a long period of time and we know that uh, our medical advisors are saying that it may, we need to start not just blindly adopting every sort of practice, but looking at what's actually working and, you know, tuning, <laughs> tuning that as we do in the financial crime space, tuning and tweaking for what is needed in order to be safe and ensure the customer experience and ensure the business operations.
0: Julie, you brought up an interesting point that I had not really thought of, and this may be one of the first times in my, lives, my life where I was in a situation uh, or society or a country, even the world is in a situation where uh, there's not a lot of guidance for us to, to draw upon and we're actually, it's not so much we're having to make it up on the fly, but we're having to learn from each other. And I really like the way you phrase that. And that's what's struck me about the, the different approaches governors have taken and said they will take is it gives us an opportunity to learn from each other as well.
1: I think that's exactly right. And this is not, not something where you can set it and forget it. I mean, that's never the case in compliance, but that's particularly true here. And what's working in the beginning may not work longer term, and what's necessary at the beginning of a reopening may not be necessary longer term as we continue to understand more about how the virus really spreads, what the risks are, and what steps would take to make a difference and keep people safe.
0: One of the questions I'm asked a fair amount, and and probably because it's on everyone's mind, is testing. Um, Right now, uh, that seems to be one of the biggest frustrations that people can't get tested. There are not enough testing kits. The testing kits that exist may or may not have too many false positives. How can employers begin to get a handle on this? Uh, Do they just simply have to follow the news, or are there more sources for information on testing uh, that they could go to?
1: I mean, that is very uh, difficult and a hard thing for companies that that can't really generate large number of tests on their own you know if you're not kind of the superpower in the corporate world you you are often more dependent on kind of sources of information sources of tests sources of valid tests i think in a few weeks as we learn more about what will be available and how to really follow up on that we'll be in a better place but right now i think it's very hard for small medium even larger companies to ensure that, uh, that their employees can get tests kind of when needed. There are certain screening mechanisms that a number of companies have, have done and continue to do, even though temperature is not always something that's associated with coronavirus. And we know that there are many asymptomatic carriers. We do know a number of companies that are doing temperature screening uh, before employees are coming back to work, as well as questionnaires. Temperature screening on every employee when you're coming in and coming out, if you're in a manufacturing facility, for example, you have to you have to count in the um, dawn in, dawn off, you know, all, all those, that time, that, that could be very costly. And so some employers are looking at mechanisms to reduce the number of individuals that can be screened through um, using thermal imaging cameras and other things. This is not perfect. It's not fail safe. But I think employers have to be creative and think about these options because it does not appear in the near term that we're going to get huge number of tests or that we're going to have, you know, immunity passports or anything else that um, that would give uh, employers the confidence um, that everyone coming in is Corona free.
0: Uh, Julie, uh, Guidepost works uh, internationally quite a bit as well. Is the work, is your international work, or the same sort of guidelines and issues that we've talked about in this podcast? Are those the discussions you're having with your international clients or U.S. companies doing business internationally that you're assisting them with?
1: Absolutely. Uh, one of the matters that we just won uh, recently in late February was a financial crime job that was focused in on Milan. (laughs) And we were scheduled to be, per uh, a federal order, scheduled to be in Milan in mid-April, and all the work was going to be done in Milan or in other parts of Europe. So, you know, obviously that couldn't occur, even though it was required by regulation, uh, by a financial crime regulation, it was not going to be permitted given the coronavirus and the risks to those employees and to ourselves and the the travel bans and all of that. And so we've had to work and look through for them and for us what's safe and also are there alternative means to review data and to look at things. And I would say that one, one thing that's really complicating this kind of work um, going forward and doing it in a remote manner are all the privacy laws, right? GDPR, uh, as well as, you know, the California law and other things are making it even more difficult for data to travel. And so sometimes personnel were traveling, like the old days, you, you would travel there to avoid the data from having to travel and, and dealing with problems for the privacy laws. So it is quite complicated. Um, uh, we are seeing in Europe, um, this is the end of, of April, we are seeing in Europe that things are starting to you know, ease up there first, I think even ahead of Governor Kemp and Governor Abbott. <laughs> um, and so hopefully they're gonna have some sort of success over there and, and Germany and some other places and we can build on their best practices um, in the US.
0: Julie, unfortunately we are near the end of our time, but I wanted to thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. It's been a fascinating discussion and as uh, we move through this crisis, I hope I can uh, visit with you again.
1: I would love that, Tom.
0: Thank you so much. Please stay safe. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. If you have any questions or you have a topic you would like explored on this podcast, please shoot me an email at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, as a call to action, I would ask, if you could, to please tell one of your friends about the podcast so we can spread the word out about the newest podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. Also, if you would leave us a rating on iTunes or a review, it would greatly help get this, the word out about this most important podcast over the next several months. Thanks again for listening and I hope you'll join me for our next episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. This podcast is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.